JD, when you hear the word freedom, what comes to mind? Braveheart, usually. I love it. Mel Gibson, dude. Yeah. It is Mel Gibson, right? Yeah. Pretty young, so. No, seriously, freedom in the last year has become, when I hear that, the word that just comes to me is obedience. Obedience to the Father in the last year has brought me freedom. Radical. I'm your host, Andrew Swafford. A brave heart, free, and laid back. A man now devoted to extreme obedience to live a power-filled life. Crazy love and honor for his wife. Episode 2 guest, J.D. Underwood. And understanding that that obedience brings power because we're meant to be powerful and Jesus calls us to be meek. But you can't be meek until you know you're powerful. So through this journey of the last, I mean, the last 30 years, but one year to this date, I got saved and it became finding the obedience, learning how to be obedient to God to find that power, to find meekness, to finally find freedom. Man, I love that. And one thing I want you to to walk us through, if, if you can, I can still remember the day that you got baptized. And the look on your face at church and just the aura that was exploding off of you. And I know that for the majority of your life, you've known of God. Talk about what led to the baptism and really what led to how you say like the last year has been vastly different. Yeah. So leading up to the baptism, when was that? That was like... I know it's a Christian you're supposed to know. Yeah. I don't know any dates. So well, I should know. My son got baptized that yeah, day. Yeah, so exactly. I, I should he, know. Yeah, yeah, he did, didn't he? doesn't matter. The, the date is leaving my mind. But leading up to that, so a year ago today, I gave my life to Christ. Really? Yeah. Man. I was going to tell you this morning, but I was like, I'm going to save that little nugget for tonight. So, yeah, man, I, I uh, leading up to it, not a whole lot of thought went into it at all. It was my wife, Ashley, came to me and said, do you want to, you know, they're doing water baptisms at uh, Renew. Are you interested in, you know, being a part of that? And I was like, yeah, I think that's probably something I need to do after, you know, I got saved, gave my life to Christ however many months before. And yeah, I'm going to go for it. I remember the morning of, I walked in to the church and like, Got in, turned to the right, and just saw all children. I was the only adult and the only male, besides I think your son, that was getting baptized. So I was like, oh, no. Like, I feel like I should have already got this done. And I felt so awkward. Like, it was just awkward. I felt like, oh, I don't know. And uh, my wife looks at me and she was like, and this is something that we had heard previously, but she was like, if you're too dignified, then get out of the way. Like, look at all these children. You should feel so honored to be in the presence of these kids doing this thing that's not about religion, not about anything other than their connection to the Father and their connection to Jesus. So going up to that point, I realized like all I'm doing this out of is no no agenda, no like there was no here's why. It was I'm doing this out of faith. Like, God, I trust you. I'm letting go of all of the things and all of the trying to piece it all together and I'm I'm letting go and I'm 
having faith and trusting you in this. Even though baptism to me was supposed to mean something leading up to that moment, it just means that I'm trying to be obedient to you. And I want to start this path of obedience and faith in you and, and through and with you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So how long before the baptism were you did you give your life to Christ? Like what was that time frame? I don't know, dude. A couple um, months, weeks. It, so March, it was the week before it was the Sunday before Easter last year. So twenty twenty two. Okay. So And then it was like the summer that yeah, the baptism, right? Baptisms were Man, don't don't put me on the spot either. Yeah, I have no clue. Some months after. Yeah. From that time, from when I got saved till baptism, like basically that entire time was, I think I was kind of in awe of like, because I grew up really religious. I grew up in the Methodist church. My father was a uh, Methodist minister my entire life. I had been saved. I actually got saved at a Billy Graham. Man, the, the great saver. Are they got saved by the- I don't think they're festivals. I don't know what they are, but whatever it is. Festivals. I don't think I love it. I had a full shirt, not a half shirt, you know? I wasn't rocking yeah. a crop top back then. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, so I've been in religion a lot, you know? So I was kind of processing this new, like, I this experience that I had was so undignified. It was just like, you know, they give the altar call, and I have my eyes closed, and I'm just like, I need it. I need that. Yeah. And I thought everybody in the room was going to raise their hands because I was like, it just seems so, like, I need that. Like, if you're dangling something that I need in front of me, I'm going to grab it and say, yeah, I'm going to go forward. And I thought everybody in the room was going to be in that moment. And I opened my eyes and I was the only person in the room, like, standing up with both hands in the air, like, shaking and crying. And so, a little bit of embarrassment, but leading into the baptism, I think I was just trying to process like, holy cow, like this is real now. For 29 and a half years, I thought it was real. I thought I was saved. I thought I knew who God was. I thought I knew what this relationship with Jesus was. And it was all religious. I don't know, do, just doing the steps to get to the thing, you know, like you're just trying to do this so that I look like this so I can get to this. And Ultimately, I was in this place of realization that like, oh, I'm finally where I always wanted to be. And now it's just time to walk that out. Wow. So, where were you when you say that, you know, you look around, you got your your hands in the air, thought everybody was, was going to be raising their hands with you. You've, you've made this now heart decision versus head decision, right? To follow, follow Christ. Where, where was that? What was the setting? It was in church. It was at Renew Life. Oh, okay. Yeah, on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So, Cody was preaching. Yeah. Couldn't tell you anything that he was preaching about. He made the comment, if you're too dignified, then get out of the way. From that point, it was just like, oh, what? what is he talking about? And then he said something to the effect of, it was at the end of the service. He was like, I just want to ask everybody in here, like, you know, if you haven't made jesus like your boss like if he's not allowed to tell you what to do and lead you through your life just raise your hand and let's you know he he should be allowed to tell you what to do he should have a voice in everything that happens with you and i i don't i've heard that before it was just so profound in that moment so yeah it was in the back of renew life at the ywca in lubbock and it was just 
Wow. Know. Yeah. I like I knew it happened. I just didn't realize the where. Oh yeah. Really? So yeah, no no clue. I think you were there, dude. Probably was. I was in the back and I was like shaking. It was insane. That's awesome. Yeah. So before we get into the next round of what we're gonna talk about, talk a little bit about tell us about your your wife who's awesome and your kiddos and family life specifically as it is now. We can get into what it was before, but yeah. tell us about Ashley and in the in the fam. Yeah. So um Ashley's my wife. She's beautiful, blonde, smarter than me, better looking than me. She's one of the most peaceful, peace-seeking people I've ever met in my entire life. And she she loves the Lord more than anything on this planet. Right ahead of our, our boys and our baby girl who's in her stomach as we speak, cooking yeah. away. So, yeah, I, I forget you know everything, but. Not everybody. Not everybody does. Yeah. This yeah. is awkward for me. Three boys, two girls, one's cooking. So I have an eight-year-old daughter. I have a named Ray. Do I have to go through all that? I yeah. Will. I love talking yeah. about them. I'll Absolutely. talk about them the whole time if you let yeah. me. So I have uh, Sawyer, call him Saucy. They're a big part of the story. Yeah. Two-year-old Johnny, a little meatball. Johnny's the, hilarious. The meatball. Dude. <laughs> and then uh, Max, who is... Uh, He's our little oddball, so yeah. I haven't quite figured him out yet, but yeah, so we live here in Lubbock and work regular jobs and just getting through life as regular loving people. Yeah. Yeah. And big reason I ask is knowing Ashley, not extremely well, but as yeah. well as I do, tell us the part she played and getting you to a place or modeling whatever it was that she modeled well enough for you to get to a place where when Cody says what he says, the Lord is speaking into your life and saying, hey, you better raise your hand today. Today. You're raising your hand today. Hmm. Tell us what role Ashley played and what role she continues to play in, in your walk. Yeah. You're asking all the good questions. Yeah. <laughs> You're good at your job. I'll tell you that. Uh, so she is hmm, – we were sitting – I don't – we were sitting at, at, in bed the other night just talking and just like this emotion came over me and I just looked at her. I was like, you know that when you get to heaven – like Jesus is going to have me under one arm and point at me and, and then point at you, Ashley, and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm. Like the consistency that that woman is at in my life. Um, she, she's just been steady. And such, you know, waves and in the storm, like her patience with me and with the boys and with everything that I, people say like, oh, super mom. Like, yeah. Like, I'm like, no, you got to meet my wife. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, she is, is Ashley Underwood. she is, she's a superhero dude. Like, yeah. and she is just obedient to the Lord and trusts him in a way that I, I don't know that I still re- realize yet. Like. I'm pretty fresh in this walk of like 
real Christianity outside of this religious stuff that I've done my whole life. And she is just like, she trusts them in everything and pain and sorrow and, and joy and anxiety. She trusts them. And she has just looked me dead in the eye and said, I know who you are and I'm going to see you one day. And it's like, I didn't realize it two years ago. I didn't know what she was saying two years ago. And now I'm like, are you a genius? Like, what? how did you know? Is the Lord just telling you all this stuff while I was asleep? Like, what was going on? Yeah. You couldn't have told me earlier? And she's like, I was. But, yeah. So, yeah, she's she's been consistent, man. Just stood in there. When someone looks at you and says, hey, I know who you are, they're calling out the good. They're not calling out the bad. They're calling out the good. Yeah. When your wife looked at you and said, I know who you are, two years ago it didn't register. What does that mean now? How does that allow you to operate as a husband and a father differently than what life looked like, you know, when she could see it, but you couldn't? Yeah. So the first word that comes to mind is trust. She had no reason to trust me. I had no reason at all not to trust her. And I think it just comes to a simple, like, just a simple place of I learned to trust. I saw that I could because of all of the, I guess my past, I never learned to trust anybody. She had to stay in and she's like the female version of Rocky Balboa. It's not how hard you can hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That is who she is spiritually, emotionally, in every aspect of life with every person that she meets. She's willing to take it so that she can keep moving forward and show show the goodness of God. So in, I think, our relationship, I have, I've tested her a lot, obviously. Tested her boundaries, tested her ability, and she's gone every, every single, not because of me, but because of her, her faith in, in Jesus and what he's done in her a long time ago, way before we were together for the second time. Do you know our story, our full story? No, you don't have to go into all the all yeah. the crazy details, yeah. but do share because I think it is a it's a story that's still playing out, but it is a it is a story that people are walking around, JD, and you know this. They're hungry to see the Lord move. Yeah. Move. Yeah. Not to hear about him, yeah. not to read about him, to still still a little something from from Chris Valentin. I just heard this and I thought it was profound and it's why I think having you on and having this platform that the that the Lord has given us, it's a podcast or whatever it is, is so important. He was sharing a story about when he first started to work at Bethel Church. They would send him to the airport to pick up a speaker or someone flying in yeah. and they would give him a picture. So let's say I'm going to the, I'm going to the, Airport to pick up Jim, Bob, yeah. Jim Bob, Jim Bob, and let's say you gave me a picture of Jim Bob. Okay. Well, a lot of people in their Christian walk, they'll look over at this picture of Jim Bob, and they'll be like, "Oh, yeah, I got Jim Bob. I got him. Picked him up from the airport. And they've never met mm -hmm. the dude." Yeah. And he related it, and I, and you know, a lot of this is people may say this is sacrilegious, and I say, "Great. If I offend somebody, I'm actually probably." doing what the Lord has asked me to do, but he related it to the Bible. 
There's no way for me to go to the airport and pick up Jim Bob if someone doesn't tell me what he looks like, sounds like, look, you know, yeah. I got to have some information about this guy before I can go pick him up from the airport. Yeah. There's so many people riding around with the Bible and they're like, oh, I know Jesus. Mm-hmm. They hold up the Bible. Yeah. Like, I know him. Yeah. Like, no, dude, you just got a picture of Jim Bob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Go pick him up from the freaking airport. Mm-hmm. He's waiting for you. The actual person is waiting for you at the airport. And I think what's so powerful about testimony is it's not the story. Yeah. It's not the story you'll tell, but it's the who. Yeah. And it's it allows people to come in contact with the actual tangible real person, the person of the, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. In a real way that allows people to potentially go to the airport. Go to the airport. He's waiting for you to, to be picked up. Sorry, I kind of went off on a No, I tangent. like it. Yeah, so, I like it. Now I'll tell you your story. So, 1992, I was born. Man, you're younger than I thought. Yeah, I'm 30. Yeah. How old are you? 39. About to be 40. But I'm an old you, man. You look good. You look good. Uh, a little gray. You look 39. That's why I'm <laughs> posting this on YouTube. And nothing hidden here. Wait, do I not look 30? Well, the kids. Y- Is yeah. it the kids? No. No? No, it's like the, just look very wizened. Hmm. Like even though you kind of give off this air of like dude, care, carefree, I'm young dude, and you, and for sure wild, uh huh. Yeah. Like like just you carry a little bit of wizened. Mm-hmm. I've been through some stuff. Yeah, maybe I have. So I was born in '92. My dad and my mom, and within two years, a lot of detail in the first two years. But within two years, my uh, mother decided that she no longer wanted me and my older sister, so she split. By four or five, she completely dropped rights, and I was adopted by another lady who married my father. So, from that point, there was this automatic, like, at two years old, attack from the enemy on me and my trust of women and trust of any person at all. And and fear of rejection. So, from that point, my adopted mother... Ended up leaving my dad, had pretty public affair and painful during that time. Probably two years before that, my wife and I actually met in youth group at church. So, she was... It's a good place to meet. Yeah. But I, yeah, it was. It was. If it's it under is. the right circumstances. Yeah, right circumstances. Yeah. yeah. So, she... Uh, I think she was 14 when we first started really liking each other. And started dating by, she was 15, I was 17. So, we dated for almost four years. My parents went through a divorce and just had a lot of pain, feeling of rejection going through that. And uh, we ended up breaking up. She left and went to design school in New York City. So, this is, a- this is Ashley. Mm-hmm. I did, okay, you're right. I did not realize that y'all yeah. dated when you were so, teenagers. My wife and I currently, yeah. we dated when we were like babies. I think the first time we actually met, she was 12, I was 14. Okay. At the uh Christmas pageant. So she was a in the angel choir and I got to play a donkey. And everybody my father appropriate I know for you yes. dude. My father-in-law is like she's always been an angel and you've always been an ass. That so, is hilarious. Yes sir. That is pretty funny. So we uh we met very early on. Was and this we, we dated for about 4 years. 
at the church that your dad was pastoring? Yes. Okay. Not pastoring. At that point, he had moved to a different role. But okay. yeah. Yeah. Same okay. church that I had grown up in my whole life. Okay. So we met, break up, kind of messy breakup for kids. And uh, I say kids, we were, I was 19, I think. She moves to New York, starts going to college. And uh, I, within 10 months, am remarried to my first wife. And we are married for two years, maybe, before we have Ray, my eight-year-old. Shouldn't have been married, you know, the whole thing. But uh, I've become a police officer here in Lubbock. and That's the second that thing is like a whole. So here's the thing. I guess you're right. I am wizened is the word you use. I've done a lot of stuff in 30 years, and I don't even realize it. Like, I start telling people what I've done. They're like, How? Like, well, I've only done it for two years, but I did it, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess going through a divorce at 25. Actually, Ashley was married, went through a divorce at 22, 23. Third thing I didn't know mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you're going to learn a lot probably. Yeah. By this point, by divorce number, you know, by me getting divorced, 25 years old, I left the PD under pretty harsh circumstances just not living right at all at the time like i didn't realize but i just had a lot of selfishness i didn't care about anybody except for myself if i felt the comfort and you know uh, that the world can offer like and i was i was a victim to her and to him and to whoever else you know i made i made everybody else i, I played it and i was good at uh, listening to the podcast that you were on uh, I felt like I was just hearing you talk about me because I got pretty good at being able to like just turn it in a way that I seemed pretty innocent. You know, I was a complete jerk. I, I victimized people, played it like, well, did you not see what they said or they did? So went through that for, I don't know, 19 to 29. I called Ashley, well, Facebooked her. And then got her number, called her, hey, want to go to coffee? Are you back in town? Well, I had no clue where she was. I didn't know if she was still in New York. I had no clue. It had been six years since we had connected. I contacted her, went to coffee, and just found out, like, oh, we never got over each other. Like, we're still in love. And I was able to say the thing, like, all of the things that, uh, you know, I go to Holy Spirit field church and I'm doing this and I was a cop and or at that time I re-upped with a, another department so I'm a cop and I'm a Christian you gotta love me right so I no traces of like the jerk who abandoned her and broke her heart from six years prior but that she could see because I had hidden it you know and uh, so we start marriage we get pregnant a few months before we get married and um, Saucy shows up on the honeymoon. Yes, I do. Yeah, we talked Just about that earlier. Yeah. I do over a honeymoon. Cancun, here we come. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're married. Then we have Johnny. And then we have Max. Um, and this... Sorry, I need to scoot up. You're doing good. Um, this... Uh, Took probably three and a half years to have three boys. I yeah. mean, maybe four. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're busy. 
Real busy. They were rolling out of there. Super busy. Yeah. So, uh, just regular marriage, man. I was pretty emotionally abusive. Didn't realize it. Like, did not realize it, but didn't know how to communicate. Had no clue how to have conversations with women. I was so intimidated by women and just like the whole role that I was supposed to play. I felt so hurt and didn't, didn't realize that until maybe a year and a half into our relationship, but found that every woman in every room that was halfway attractive or halfway successful, I needed her attention and didn't really realize what that was and didn't understand that that was killing me inside slowly every time that I, you know, bowed to that, whatever you want to call it. So, and, uh, and do you, do you, do you think some of that, you know, cause you, you mentioned the podcast that you heard where Lisa and I shared our story and I've made mention, but that podcast will be linked in a couple of the comments for okay. the yeah. ongoing radical segments. But one thing that I realized when I had, the opportunity to reflect on my life from a different perspective, right? Not from a broken perspective, but now I'm, I'm made new. Okay. You know, came out of the grave, if you will. Yeah. The devil's a sucker. Mm. Yeah. At two years old, when your mom leaves, like the things that, you know, like you're two, you don't, you don't have a chance. You don't have a fighting chance to. I haven't learned that yet in Bible school or whatever. Right. And so, What do you think? Do you think a lot of that went back to some abandonment slash people just don't stick around? What was going on in JD's soul that made him specifically with women? Man, I'd love to say that I've fully like diagnosed that. And, And to some degree I have, like to the degree that I'm able, like I feel like I have a good bead on it. But for the most part, yeah, it was just feeling as though people in general, but especially women were not stable. And it was, dude, honestly, I think every relationship that I've ever been in up until the last year was trying to prove that if this person loves me, if, if these people can, can see me as valuable, then maybe my mom will too. Maybe that means that she's capable of it one day or I don't know. And I think I just used people as, you know, I was never into drugs and never got addicted to alcohol, but I was addicted to validation from other human beings addicted to, you know, you say like the five love languages. I think mine is words of affirmation, but if I didn't get words of affirmation, it like, if you didn't validate who I was as a man or a person or, you know, it destroyed, like it ruined my self-esteem the, like that, like the smallest little thing. So, yeah, I think it goes back to rejection and not feeling like moms play such a huge part in, in sons' lives and just like creating and molding some of that confidence in like you're loved because you're loved because you're loved because you're loved, not because of anything you can do. Obviously dads can give that and should give that, but they also build up a man and you're, you're constructing something, right? Like a mom is injecting being known and being fully loved. And to your point, consistency. mm -hmm. Yeah. Consistency of love. Yeah. And I, I never had that 
through my whole life. Mm. And Ashley is a 14, 15, 16, 17 year old girl was capable of doing that better than my own mother. Didn't understand that that was probably not the healthiest place that we should be, but it's all we knew. So by the time we were married two years, I ended up having an affair and I'll put the de- some details in just to, it was with her best friend. And the pain of that for me didn't hit until two months ago. It's weird how we have like traded spots in this. And I think the growth process in that, not even growth, actually it wasn't growth. It was cutting down. I think what happened was I finally, I betrayed the only person who's ever actually loved me. I betrayed this person who, the only person who is willing to give me that consistency. And I think I did it because I needed to, I think I, I think there was something in me that, that knew this is what I was always going to do from the very get go. Yeah. I was destined for destruction. Sure. I was destined for pain for her. I was destined for not just Ashley, but any woman that was in my way, they were going to get hurt by me. And, and there was a kind of a twinge of like, I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me because I know that there's no woman out there that loves me. There's no person out there who can look at me as valuable. So went, went to that. Yeah. I think I finally, I mean, you hit rock bottom, you know, like, and I don't think rock bottom is a place that anybody has to go, but I think some people need to. Yeah. And it, it does make a, you know, a different, don't make a doctrine out of that, but I, I definitely needed it. I, I needed to hit that and I needed her to leave and, and go away from me. And that's what, like, she's Rocky Balboa, dude. She was like, I'm not doing anything outside of the will of God. I don't care wow. what you did. She's like, I can't stand to look at you right now. But I'm not doing anything outside the will of God. And it was just like, who are you? Well, yeah, but also like, what do you mean? Like, you need to cuss me out and leave. You need to leave me on the side of the road. You need to tell everybody that you know that I'm the biggest POS you've ever met. And I betrayed you. And she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't even betray this woman that she thought she loved and she thought loved her. So... When I'm looking at this, I'm looking at literally a picture of Jesus every single day for three months to where it was like, what is, what's going to happen here? And we had so many conversations going through this. Like, she's like, I I prayed and the Lord said, do not make a decision. You do the next right thing. And you, what you do is what you hear me tell you to do and nothing else. I'm like, well, that's what Jesus did. So then when I get to this, like, obedience breeds power, I, I see it in her because she had she had no power in that situation. There was nothing she could do to overcome it. She just had to be obedient to what God told her. Man, that's incredible. And I, and I think as I'm listening to your story, one thing I want to really press home on if, if anybody's listening to this is – you know, you hear JD's testimony, you hear my testimony, you hear anybody's testimony, and you hear things like, oh, I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me, or I just didn't trust women, or whatever it was. And people, it's so easy for people to say, well, that's just a convenient excuse. Mm, yeah. 
But when you truly understand identity, yeah, and it's identity is something that we're going to just hit on in yeah. this podcast. But when you understand that and you operate in false identity, that you yeah. don't you don't know who you are. Yeah. You make stupid decisions. Yeah. Because you're operating out of something that's false. Mm-hmm. And how starkly different our decision making is, even when we screw up. Yeah. But how starkly different our decision making is when we're when we're operating out of a true identity and when I hear this story and I think about Ashley and I have experienced specifically in the last year, how she stood by you and the way she's operated Mm -hmm. and the way she's been faithful in the midst of hurt and unknowing, you know, what's next. Yeah. She just stays rock steady because it's who she is. Yeah, man. I mean, you can see, you can literally see identity Mm -hmm. playing out in her, all these things that you saw at 14. That God had already implanted in her life. Yeah. You see them now playing out in her true identity and probably I'm assuming one of the toughest spots she's ever ever yeah. been in. Yeah. Up up in yes. Yeah. yeah. So she didn't get to find out in a peaceful manner. My so we were very close friends with both of these people, this woman and her husband, and we just kind of did life with them. Anyway, turned into an affair between myself and the woman and but her husband was one of my best friends so he messaged me and basically tricked me into him coming over and I was like in the back of his trunk looking for something that he was saying like yeah grab it out of there like I need you to grab it he hits me in the back of the head with something and like basically beats me senseless almost to death and my wife and children all walk out to that. So all of that, maybe you can cut that out if you need to, but all of those details to say that like she didn't get any of the easy like she she didn't get any easy version of this. Yeah. It was my husband's possibly gonna be in the hospital for however long. I just found out that this guy did this because he's having an affair with his wife, and I just had a baby eight days ago. Yeah, the identity it takes to understand that, like, okay, let's, uh, I mean, she was obviously, like, emotionally distraught. Like, I don't even have the words for it. The pain that she went through and, and the betrayal that she went through, not only her husband, but her best friend. And then realizing, like, I've got to go nurse this guy back to health so I can get even a straight story out of it. I don't even know what happened. Like, I don't even know if this is true. I have no clue. So that was the beginning stages wow. of her finding out and, you know, so it was a trauma- traumatic event. A messy situation. That Very messy. Yeah. Was, got messier. Very messy, got messier. So in that night, I, you know, I was defending. That, that was probably three o'clock that day. I was defending. And the, uh, the amazing part of it was Ashley started sending me these scriptures. Hmm. I mean, graphic, but I, I took a extension cord and went to the park to go hang myself and started getting text messages. You know, we had argued and I was trying to, ah, it's fine. It's fine. Like clearly had a concussion trying to like manage through the situation. And, uh, she just stayed very calm, but also very like she was crying, but she was like, had all four of the children like dressed and like ready for dinner and like 
bathe and then was still doing the stuff that parents were supposed to do and i'm like about to pass out you know so we go through that and like she uh she just stayed steady just this stability in her from the second she picked me up off the freaking driveway a bloody pulp she picked me up so she mess starts messaging me scripture and i don't remember all of the the scriptures but there's a I believe it's Proverbs 16 talks about the adulterous woman. And at that point, I just snapped out of it. Like it was just like people talk about like when Paul had the scales fall off his eyes. Yeah. It was like this cloudiness that like that came almost like the concussion left. It was like a supernatural like, oh, crap. Wow. And that was Saturday night. And I knew if I don't go to church Sunday morning. I am going to lose my entire life. I will lose my children. I will lose like, and if I don't go to church every Sunday for the foreseeable future and just stay invested. And I know we have like a way of, you know, doing this, but community became my lifeline to anything. There was nothing was going to happen outside of community. And I knew that sitting in my car with an extension cord in my back, knowing what I, you know, in the backseat of my car, knowing like, and it just, in an instant, everything just, it was like a haze just like lifted off. I I knew, obviously I knew the choices that I had made, but I also in that moment realized how far down that road with the devil I went, with the enemy that I had agreed, you know, it talks about your father, your father, your father, you know, Generally, we're talking about Father in Heaven, but I knew in that moment my father was Satan. Yeah, the father of lies. Mm -hmm. And I had agreed with every lie that anybody from my past tried to tell me. And so, all of that in that, it was one moment that became a process. Nothing was easy. Nothing was simple. It was all these complex conversations. I'm really pissed off because we were talking about how to cook the chicken. And now we're talking about my affair, you know, for the last year. And then something happened with, I think it was eight months down where it was like, okay. And Ashley tells it a lot better, but she had a conversation with the Lord where he was like, your husband will not be able to do this unless he's hand in hand with me. And eight months after the affair, she looked at me and said, I believe you've been doing this hand in hand with the Lord. And I was like, well, I'm glad you you did because I, I'm just doing the next right thing. I'm just trying to trust him and listen because I yeah. never listened to his voice. I didn't even know what his voice sounded like. And now if we go full circle back, the power that he gives us comes out of his voice and comes out of obedience to his voice and just honing into it. And I'm not, I mean, I, I have, you know, crazy thoughts all day long. Like, I don't know how what I'm listening to, but... There will just be moments where it's just like alignment with with heaven. And I just know his voice. And I hear it so clearly. Coming from that moment on March 19th, 2022, it took a second to realize like, oh, I need something more than what I've been chasing Mm -hmm. after. And I've been believing a lot of lies about me that are not true. And there was a little bit of like anger. Like I was like, hold on. And then I had to realize like, well, 
there's a there's a process to agreeing to this stuff, but you get really pissed off at the enemy where it's like, I can't believe I agreed to to this and that. So although it, it, it can come off as an excuse, right? Like, oh, you're just that's a really good excuse for all the sin and all the hurt you caught. Heck yeah. Yeah. It absolutely is a great excuse. Scriptural. Yes, what, it is. What are we fighting? We're not we're mm-hmm. not fighting our own flesh and blood. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's, there's a fight that's going on. I, I aligned with all of, all of the evil things, all of the lies and all of the BS that it, it was my excuse. Like I wanted that because I, I believe that I was a POS. I believe that I wasn't worth that beautiful woman. I believe that I, I wasn't worth being a father to those kids. I knew that that wasn't who I was. And in an instant, I knew that there was hope that that's who I could who I could become and that's who I am now is no like knowing without a shadow of a doubt like I'm gonna raise those boys those two girls are my little babies and nothing's gonna change that and the Lord gifted them to me and I'm so great there's nothing better than being a dad nothing yeah so as you're as you're telling your story thing that I have to ask because again we talked about this earlier like I think people are hungry for this is when you say and I love how you put this, obedience leads to power that leads to meekness. Yeah. It's really well said. When you accepted the Lord, you began to hear his voice. And then mo- most importantly, right, you began to say yes. Yeah. He says something, you say yes. Yeah. What did the manifestation of power look like, A, in your life and, and you know, in your home, at work? What did, what did that? tangibly look like just like a weird favor (laughs) like the weirdest favor that i've never experienced before i really wish it was like laying hands on people like healing you think about power and you're like you're gonna be able to like you know prophesy and know like be able to read people's mail or whatever but it's just been favor so far man i have these little boys that literally everybody on the planet loves and i'm like yeah, they're great. And I, I don't know how that came out of me. <laughs> like, I don't know how those beautiful little guys came out of me because they're not perfect, but they're perfect. You know, they, yeah. they exude favor and they exude grace. Like they just have this aura about them, you know, and my daughters are just, I don't even know one of them yet. Little Ray, man, she's like, she's just got this obedience about her. She's good. She is good. Yeah. She's a good girl. She's very good. Man, yeah, she is. And when I think about power, how it's come in my life. Like Ashley and I have been handed opportunity, handed gifts, handed money, handed all these things in the last year, which I, whatever, like a lot of people, it's just what our, it's just what's been happening to us. Like we haven't asked for it. We don't even know some of it. Like people have just been covering us. Our community that we have gained in the last year, you know, we moved back to Lubbock from a small town, Muleshoe about five years ago and when we got back we were so lonely like we just didn't have any we had both traveled and gone away and then came back together and lived in muleshoe and then came back to lubbock and kind of lost all our community from lubbock and obviously everywhere else and so we were so lonely and so we started pursuing relationships that we shouldn't have been pursuing obviously and repented of that post affair and then people just started walking into our lives who love the Lord 
and who love us unconditionally and who just take care of us. I have never been taken care of by by any community, any family member, anyone. We have people who aren't even saved. Good group of friends of ours who saved maybe, I don't know. They they're on the kind of on the cusp, on the fringe of it. And they just show up time and time again. Not to speak of obviously our church family who has done more for us than I could even account or even feel comfortable saying on this podcast sure. it's going to go to, you know, 600,000 people. But, I, you know, I'm like, I cannot believe if you look at like, well, I can go on a tangent. Anyway, the power that we've experienced is literally just God coming through for us. Yeah. Constantly. Boom, 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 boom. All, all the time. And I don't think that's coincidence specifically given your story. Yeah. Knowing how starved you were for stability, yeah. acceptance, yeah. love, yeah. stick to itness. It it doesn't surprise me that the father showed up and say, Okay, how about a little as they you know, as they say, fog, a little favor of God yeah. in your life. Cause I love you. Yeah. Because I love you. Simply because I love you and my boy. Now you've made this heart decision and you've grabbed my hand and you're listening to my voice. Yeah. Oh, and you're obedient. Well, for you and Ashley, what y'all need right now is some favor. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me at all that that's the way he's showing up in your life. Yeah. In any way. Yeah. So that's awesome. What does the next chapter for you look like? You seem so carefree. And I love that about you. Yeah. And specifically, and I don't, man, I don't know if I give you credit or, or Ashley or both, but give her the credit. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if there's, if there's, yeah. if there's debate, it always goes to Ashley. I wish anybody that happens to stumble upon this and, and listens, you know, we talk about your kids. They have an uncanny ability at a very, very young age to, exude a very and i'm not talking about wild but they're carefree they live they're happy and that's one of the things that we talk about you know we talked about before you jumped on the podcast like we as christians have forgot to how to have fun yeah i said this in the last episode if you're not having fun it doesn't necessarily mean that something is wrong but if you never have fun something's yeah. wrong yeah something is wrong your kids, when I see them, they just exude carefree. Yeah. They're fun. They're light. They don't take very much too serious. No, they and, don't. <laughs> and so when I say what's the next chapter in your life, yeah. I'm genuinely curious because is there one or is it a day by day, minute by minute, second by second, yeah. you and Ashley figuring out what? right now looks like yeah just keep popping out kids yeah <laughs> yeah seven or eight more kids yeah anyway. we probably could what was the question the question was what's the next chapter yeah now you know because you're 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 a year year post being saved like when it became real when the father became real yeah you know and you're you're settling into this now you know ashley comes to you and says hey i'm seeing it mm -hmm. i'm seeing it yeah which is huge in a marriage when you're wife can actually see that you're walking with a father. Yeah. If, if my wife's listening, um, I hope you can see me walking <laughs> with the father sometimes. 
So what is what is tomorrow the next chapter for the for the Underwoods? Specifically as as you know, it relates to to, to your walk, to your faith, mm-hmm. to to what tomorrow looks like. That's a great question. I've never thought about it. And, and, and I genuinely ask that because yeah. when I look at y'all, I wouldn't be surprised if you tell me, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing uh-huh. when I get off the podcast. I don't. I'm probably going to go home and watch some trashy TV with Ashley, which is like our favorite pastime. To speak on the carefree and wildness, and I don't know how long we have, but I, I was a police officer, so that brought this level of like discipline and like locked in being squared away being on police force and a lot of guys were military it was a very paramilitary culture so i was young when i joined and it was like this is what i want i want to be hardcore i want to be locked in i want to be a billy badass like i want to do this and when i left that i think i struggled so hard with my identity and knowing like I'm no longer hardcore. Like I'm no longer this thing that I wanted to be like this superhero. I looked up to all of like the Punisher and like, it was like, I want to be this, you know, when I walked away from it, it just kind of turned into like, Oh no, what, what next? My identity's gone. Mm. As I've kind of grown with the father, it, I'm trying to find the words cause it's been carefree. I don't care. Like, He'll tell me who I am. He'll tell me what's next. And he'll tell me how much of anything I'm supposed to care about or how, how much I'm supposed to put into this or, you know. And I told you this morning, I was like, I don't care about my career. I genuinely don't, dude. Like, and I know that's crazy, especially in America. You're supposed to care about how much you make for your family. You got to make sure that they're taken care of. But I was so religious for so long and I was so like invested in, I don't know, looking the part that as soon as like I came above or out of that fog, out of that haze of like religion and believing the lies about who I was. Oh, you mean God is my provision? Like that's true. Like I feel that I have faith for that and it's going to happen. Not that I don't go to work. I have a good job. I work hard and manual labor i didn't go to college so like i do what i can but i believe i'm supposed to provide for my family i'm not you know bumming it and just hanging out on the couch eating cheeto smoking weed like i i provide for my family but i'm not worried about tomorrow genuinely not worried about tomorrow mainly because i have a really good boss but also i have a really good father yeah and he's taking care of me he's the provision for my mental health he's the provision for my my marital health. He's the provision for my finances. He's the provision for my children. I feel like I screw up parenting every single day. But if I can be intentional, if I can just be intentional for half a second with my wife every single day, if I can be intentional with my children for half a second when I get home and intentionality has just become my mantra. Like if I can be intentional with this person, if I can look them in the eye and actually care about what's going on inside of them. It doesn't matter what else goes on because at the end of the day, you can't take any of this with you. And that's so cliche, but it's so true. It's just become so real in me. Mm. So. Freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of a a hippie in a way (laughs) if it comes to, because we, Ashley and I like, we care a lot. I think people think that we're so carefree, like. 
we get anxiety just like everybody else. We yeah. get super worked up about things and have three hour long conversations. That it's what, 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 where did that start? You know, but at the end of the day, what I want to portray to my children, what I want to portray to people in public and everyone else is pain is real. Hard times are real. You're going to go through things, but you just got to trust them. You just got to be intentional with your time with him. And when that happens, like everything else kind of gets a little quieter. And I know there's people who have been walking with the Lord way longer than me. Did that probably just sound so whatever, menial, like baby. But it's like, that's where I'm at, dude. I've just learned to trust him. And it's like, I can probably live in this for the rest of my life and be content. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's people that walked, quote unquote, walked with the Lord their whole lives and yeah. don't, don't have a full grasp of yeah. that concept. Yeah. And, you know, as we're coming to a close, one one thing that I hope people take from your story is in the midst of you and your wife's toughest spot, this miracle happened. It's a miracle. But the rain still fell. Mm-hmm. The wind still blew. Yeah. The storm was still the storm Mm -hmm. and God was still working the miracle. And then the storm went away yeah, or is going away. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes we view miracles as everything just gets better in a moment. Yeah. Oh, the miracle happened. Yeah. Probably before Ashley ever found out Mm -hmm. he, he planted a seed. You're not leaving. You're not going anywhere. And that is a miracle. It's a miracle. You're, 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 you and your wife are walking around living a miracle. And yet we have a whole community of believers that flat out don't believe they happen. Hmm. They don't believe they happen. And that's tough. Sad. Yeah, it is sad. Very sad. I mean, just on a real note, I, I do think that there is, there's so much about, my story and we could go for another two hours but we may have to since we lost the video (laughs) i'm good with it i look back on it even even doing this in this moment i'm looking back on moments where i'm like oh god was working in that and i was living in sin and Hmm. the act of sinning god was literally showing up in the midst of my sin like he's allowed to be here and showing me signs I just rejected them. I just turned away from them. Yeah, it's sad because I I don't want people to reject the miracles because it's just signs of his love, man. It's just signs of his care. It's just a sign that like your daddy loves you and he wants to talk with you, wants to sit down with you. My favorite thing in the world is just sitting and reading books with my boys or wrestling when I get home. To like wrestle with your child is like, I look at how many times I've done it with the Lord. And we talk about wrestling with the Lord. Like sometimes I feel like it's just like, yeah, but what do you actually, you know, it's like you're testing it and you're trying to figure it out. Playful he's, banter. He's not offended, man. No. he He's not offended by us figuring out how to be good children. I don't get offended when my kids are running around pushing my boundaries. I don't get it in the moment. Yes, of course. Be obedient. Please be obedient. But when I'm sitting down talking with my wife, it's like, 
they're smart, man. They're freaking smart. I can look at my child and and see these beautiful things about him or her, whatever's going on in the midst of them screwing up or being a little jerk. You know, they're just running around doing whatever they want because they can. And I'm looking at them seeing like, oh my gosh, like I do this to the Lord all the time. I do this to God all the time where I'm just like, I, I can't, you know? And, uh, yeah, he's not offended by us. He's not offended by our screw ups or our, our not knowing. And he shows us that all the time. Yeah. So let's just stop rejecting it. Let's stop rejecting his proof of love to us and just say, I don't understand it. I don't have to understand it. It's a mystery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And we'll, we'll end with, you know, God loves you and he's not offended by you. Yeah. Man, that's good. Mm -hmm. So thank y'all for listening. JD, it's been, it's been an honor. It's good. I love it. We have some video. Yeah. Well, you know, the magic of editing will come to life during this podcast. So if, if you liked what you hear, hit subscribe and listen to the next one. Thank you.